When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Prior to becoming the offensive coordinator at Kansas, Brent Deerman was the head football coach at Bethel University, where he grabbed a lot of attention going 10-0 in his first year, boasting an incredible 540.3 yards per game to go along with an unheard of 55 points per game. He was already known as an offensive mind, had spent some time at Auburn, and in his first podcast, he was at Arkansas Tech, where he talked to us about his philosophy. He's done several podcasts with us. We'll share that playlist in our show notes. He is one of our most listened to. He has our most listened to episode. That one is in the playlist in the show notes as well. You're going to really enjoy this one with Coach Deerman. Let's take a listen to the Coaching Coordinator Archives. Brent Deerman is today's guest on the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Deerman is the offensive coordinator at Arkansas Tech by way of Auburn, where he coached under Gus Malzahn. Prior to coaching at Auburn, Deerman was a high school football coach in Alabama. He discusses how he builds a culture in his offensive unit, his approach to practice, teaching at a fast pace, the nuts and bolts of his offense, including his go-to RPO play, and much more. We're excited to have him here on today's show. Coach Deerman, thanks for joining us on the Coach and Coordinator Podcast. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the, the interview here. Coach, let's start at the beginning for you. Why did you want to be a football coach? Um, to be honest with you, I was raised in a, in a football household. My dad was a was a high school football coach for over 30 years. He's still coaching middle school ball down um, down in the south. And um, I was raised in, in, in that home every day and then just grew to love the game and, and love the, um, the way I can impact so many lives on a daily basis through football. Coach, as you look back so far on your career and think about some things that had a, a, a positive impact on your development, what were some of those lessons you learned? You know, just through playing, you learn so much through playing about um, determination, hard work, uh, pushing through, and some perseverance. But then as a coach, uh, right out of college, I got a chance to be offense coordinator on my old high school and was blessed and, and had a ton of talent my first year and won a state championship year one. I thought, man, this coaching thing must be easy. <laughs> so, um, you know, that was one of the big milestones. And then um, got to coach college, uh, high school ball for five years. Um, and then Coach Gus Malzahn uh, was able to come down and took a chance on me and hired me as an off-the-field guy. 
um, got me into college, and that would probably be another big milestone for me there is getting into college under Coach Malzahn. Um, I've just been, been blessed in my short career here uh, of coaching ball. What were your first responsibilities there at Auburn? Um, I was put in the running back room as, as kind of Tim Horton's assistant. Um, so the, the number one thing Coach Malzahn wanted us to do was always love and take care of our players. And I, and I learned so much from him and, and Tim Horton. Um, I also was was over uh, kind of the defensive break. Now, I played quarterback my whole life, ever since I was five years old. So I've, I've been reading coverages. Um, so covered breakdowns and covered recognition and fronts came easy to me. So um, I was over the, 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 the breakdown side of things and, and make sure I always told Coach what, what coverages were going on on game day, those type things, um, and, and relaying stuff to him. I know we have a lot of young coaches out there who uh, kind of have that as a goal to be able to make that jump from high school uh, to college, especially like, like you did. What would you say were some of the things that prepared you to be in a position to have that opportunity? I'm be honest with you. It's it's kind of a, a roll of the dice. You know, I was in a a situation where I was tied to a a very prominent high school down in Alabama, uh, where we had a lot of great athletes that came through. So I was I was talking to college coaches on a daily basis because of the players that we had. Um, but I spent every summer as a young coach right before I got married. Um, I would go to camps and I'd work these camps and, and the negative um, now is, you know, of course they, they came out with this new rule that high school coaches can't work college camps anymore. Right. Um, so, you know, that was a big thing for me was getting out and, and letting these coaches see my face, letting them see that I was a hard worker and me getting to know those guys. So um, it, it's going to be a little bit tougher for a high school guy now to get, get his foot in the door. Um, with with that new rule so i would say just get out there uh, meet as many guys as possible go to conventions go to these clinics show your face so the the more that these these college coaches see you the better coach you are are part of orchestrating a big turnaround at arkansas tech uh you know, let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, um, you step into that situation. Tell us what it was like, you know, offensively. What had happened there before you got there? Well, I, when I got here, it was a it was a beaten and battered group. They um, they went through three coordinators in about a two year span, and that was the big uh, reason why uh, me coming in. We had to set uh, goals. We had to set our guidelines. We had to know who we wanted to be because these guys have been all over the place for three years and uh, just because of the turnover. So when I got here, we, we told these guys we were wanting to run the football. My, my dad was a, a high school offensive line coach, so we wanted to run the football, especially with my, my ties to Coach Malzahn and, and how much he wants to uh, set the tone of the football game by running the ball. So uh, we came out that first year, and our guys knew who we were. We didn't try to uh, throw much new at them. We were going to stick to the game plan. We were going to stick to our installs, and we knew who we wanted to be. Um, and we preached it to them on a daily basis, how we wanted to be physical. We wanted to set the tone with, with hitting people in the mouth and running the ball. Now, we were blessed with, with a couple great players. We recruited some good 
guys that played as freshmen. I think we ended up playing five or six freshmen on the offensive side of the ball that year. And then we had a big quarterback transfer come in that could run the ball well. But we averaged 270 yards rushing a game that first year. And previously, the year before I got here, they averaged about 69. So that was a huge turnaround for us to just establishing a run game, to be honest with you. And, and, and our kids knew that we wanted to run the football. And obviously, you set those as some things you're going to do. Um, and, a, and a lot of coaches can come in and do that, certainly. But it's building that culture along the way that gets them to really buy into it. So what things did you do, I guess, off the field to get that buy-in you needed to have the execution on the field? I'm going to be honest with you, what we did in our meetings, we started every meeting in fall camp. We start every meeting in spring, uh, during spring training, and we go through a leadership book with our players. Year one, we went through a John Gordon book called Training Camp. And all we did is we take the points out of that book in the first five minutes of our offensive meetings. We talk through a point every day. This past spring, we just went through above the line. Uh, Irvin Myers foot with our guys and and kind of um, setting the tone for our culture not just the X and O side of things but really focusing and building our culture in our room especially with that group that you know that group in, in, in 2014 they, they averaged 14 points a game 69 yards rushing a game so we had to build a culture we had to build a mindset with those guys and um, we, we try to do that right off the bat every day before we get into X and O's. And then another thing that we do here is I'm going to throw up our goals every day in the team meeting. You know, we want to be 50% on third downs. That's one of them, for example. So any day that we're doing third downs at practice, whether it be four plays, whether it be a whole team period, if we're working on third downs, they're going to see that 50% goal. We want to be 90% in red zone scoring. So any day we're going to touch the red zone, we're going to throw that up on the board we're going to talk about it. it's something they're going to hear constantly what our goals are here um so we're constantly flashing either the the goals on the field or off the field goals uh we want to have 3.0 gpa as an offense and right now i think in the in the fall we had a 2.85 so we wasn't there so those guys are constantly hearing and seeing what our goals we set are Obviously, the goals are important, and you talked about, I want to step back and, and focus a little bit on the books you mentioned. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Training Camp by John Gordon. You mentioned Above the Line by Urban Meyer, and I've seen a lot of, of programs take that approach where they make a, a book kind of the heart of you know, building their culture and, and delivering um, positive messages to their players, um, but sometimes they... They, uh, they focus on it so much that their message isn't consistent from year to year. How do you keep that consistency saying, okay, we've, you know, we had training camp here and now we're going to go to above the line. How do you build one message on top of the other? What we do is we still have our set culture goals and whatever our guidelines are. So we use that book to kind of help meet what our goals are. Instead of changing our goals every year, changing our culture every year to that book. What we're going to do is our kids know what, what our pillars are, and we try to mold whatever book we're talking about to uh, meet our pillars. Another book that we went through was was Legacy, the, the 15 Lessons of Leadership that the All Blacks rugby, New Zealand rugby team um, talks, to, talks about how they've built their culture. But once again, 
instead of taking on their culture, we just try to take things out of what they do that's going to help implement what we've already established here. Those books have been mentioned quite a bit by coaches on on this podcast, and, and one more than any has been above the line with Urban Meyer. What were some of your key takeaways from that book um, that you really um, molded around your pillars? The, the big thing that I like that Urban has accepted is he's not going to get every player to, to think that he's a leader. He's not going to get every player to have that above-the-line thinking. And he kind of sets aside percentages and says that 10% of your team is going to be overachievers. 10% of your team is going to be your leadership. The 80% in the middle is going to be the guys that could kind of go either way, that are great followers. Um, there's going to be a little bit of setbacks every now and then. And then you're going to have a 10%, that bottom 10%. And his goal is he's not going to try to always pull just from that bottom 10%. He's trying to figure out which – small percentage of that 80 I can pull up into that 10 percent um and, and get in that above the line thinking and the the, the never complaining the never blaming others thinking and, and that was the first time that I'd ever looked at it like that you know you always want to you focus on the whole team but in that aspect you're just trying to pull one or two guys on up into that that top tier group is what I liked so, Coach, you set the stage. You have your philosophy. You're going to run the football. You're going to be physical. You have your culture, your pillars, um, and this this mentality you've developed now. Take it out onto the field. What's some of the best things you guys are doing now to prepare your guys, to teach your guys to be successful within your system? I tell you what we do, and, and we're going to practice every single day at a two-minute pace. We have – kind of taking conditioning during the season out because of the way we practice if we're out there we're going to be rolling we try to do all of our teaching and our coaching off of the field i know it's tougher Uh, as a high school coach i couldn't have done that because of the numbers of kids i had in high school compared to in college Um, but here we're gonna we're gonna run our offense the entire day we're gonna run our drills we're gonna run everything that we do at a two-minute pace and that kind of sets our edge as well by the way that we practice. Um, the, the negative to it is I used to be a guy that I, I like to be hands-on. I like to be a coaching. Uh, I like to be coaching during practice. But that, that makes the film even that much more important because we're setting our edge, we're setting our pace, we're doing our conditioning all throughout practice. So that's one of the biggest things that I like. We start practice every day with a five-minute, what we call a pace. Some people call it red ball. Just uh, four good plays against our starting defense, starting Ogan, starting D, and we're going to run as fast as humanly possible right there. And that's how we start every day off. In 2015, I think we outscored opponents by about 100 points in the first quarter because we start practice with big emphasis on coming out the gate fast and hitting people in the mouth fast. So uh, that has really helped us here at Arkansas Tech. Coach, focusing a little bit on practice, you mentioned obviously the tempo. And I hear a lot of of guys talk about, well, we're we're only going to teach off a tape, but uh, we know that that's not true. What's the key to be able to, to continue to teach while things are going at such a fast pace? I tell you what you got to do is you got to get those those leaders, you got to get those juniors and seniors bought in 
so that when you get in fall camp, when you get into um, a time where those young guys could kind of get lost, especially with not teaching as much at practice, is having those older guys that you can depend on and trust and say, hey, um, during this drill here, during this uh, team period here, I may be on the field yelling pace. I may be doing all this, but when you see a guy behind you that's struggling, take him underneath your wing, and you may coach him up. You may have to take him aside. And that's kind of what we do here is we set a uh, – we, we give guys, individuals, they're kind of their big brother. So if I, my freshman quarterback struggling a little bit with, with a, a certain read or a certain throw, I can look over and I know my seniors over there during the team period, he's talking him through it. He may be actually over there throwing that throw with him. So we put a lot on our leadership team and our, and our older guys here to kind of be uh, an addition to our uh, coaching staff here. And that really helps us. We also um, have set things that each coach is responsible for every day in practice. Our offensive line coach at every team period is going to be behind the drill. Our uh, receiver coach will always be to the field. Whatever the hat, whatever hash we're working on that day, he's going to be the field coach. That way he can always coach those those field receivers. He can coach the tailback. He can coach the H-back. Whatever we need to the field, he's there. We have a our H-back coach is always going to be into the boundary. Um, so that, that forces our whole coaching staff to learn the entire offense as well. So we are not moving as much and we're always on the same page so the kids are hearing the same verbiage out of all five of us. Coach, I really think there's some important things there in what you're doing. Number one, I think that teaching by your players that they can go on and teach, it really shows their understanding. And that's, I mean, if you look at education, that's just good teaching. You know, that's when that's, you really know that stuff. Teacher. There you go. You were a math teacher so in the class. Five years I was in high school, I was teaching uh, pre-cal and stats, and I had to put my objective on the board every day and my keyword for the day and my – so all that comes from all that, that professional development that I would do from my math classroom. So we're just taking all that stuff in education and bringing it onto the field. And that's that's exactly what we would do with my position groups, quarterbacks and receivers. You know, the older guys were expected to teach, and it really starts to bring out, you know, you think about bringing those freshmen into a culture, brings out just the good teammate and all those guys. When they see, yeah, I'm here competing with this guy for a job, but he's here coaching me. He's showing me exactly how to do it. He's giving me keys that – you know, may allow me to pass him up, and I think that's that's a sign of of, of uh, true teammates as well. Yes, and it, and it it, it kind of humbles you as well. That's what we've learned here is if, if we put you over a guy and, and you're in charge of him, I've got to put my pride aside. I've got I've got to humble myself enough to know you know what at the end of the day I'm doing this for the betterment of the team. Well, Coach, let's get into uh, the nuts and bolts a little bit of this offense and tell us a little bit about the system that you run. What we've done is I've taken the, the, the run game that I learned at Auburn that, that Coach Malzahn is so um, good at is, is the run game with all the smoking mirrors and all the motions and all the formations. We've taken that run game of downhill hitch in the mouth and we've added in our own little twist with an RPO concept off of it. So we're going to always try to have an RPO 
with our current quarterbacks that we have now. Now, the first two years here, we were still read zone, kind of Auburn, Nick Marshall type because of the type of players that we had. The old high school mentality, we've got to mold the system around our players instead of it's our system. So the, the type of kids we've got now are not as big of runners. So what we've done is we've got to still read a guy but instead of reading a defensive end for the run, we're going to read a second-level, third-level player still by keeping that, that hard run game hitch in the mouth. And what I like about it, uh, growing up in an O-line coach's household, is I'm not asking my O-line to vertical pass set as much anymore. Right. Um, we're coming off and we're hitting people in the mouth but still being able to throw the football down the field. I was always taught that whatever the personality of those five linemen up front are, usually the personality of your football team. And if we're a hard, hitch-in-the-mouth offensive line group, then I feel like our whole football team is going to have that edge to us as well. So we've kind of taken all this run game, and most of the time we're reading a D-gap alley players, what I call it to my quarterbacks, with some type of either quick game or single receiver concept built into that play. Coach, what's your go-to uh, RPO play? Be honest so I can handle any pressure, so I can handle anything that they may see. I always love, if I need a go-to, of running inside zone because I know i got every gap accounted for. We're going to be in 20 personnel, so that way I'm never leaving the defensive end free to hit my quarterback. I know everybody, John Gruden got real famous off these uh, videos with Jared Goff of, of, of kind of downing the RPOs because Jared Goff was getting smoked in the mouth a lot with these 10 personnel RPOs. Right. So we went to the 20 personnel. We've got an All-American H-back here, so I'd be crazy as a coach to ever take him off the field. So he's going to handle the backside D end. So I'm protected from C-gap to C-gap. And now the RPO concept that we've gotten to love is we're going to all we're going to run three flat concepts. So it looks like stick with our number two of the field. But then both of the uh, number one receivers on both sides are going to run out of their flat route. So I've got a zone beater. I've also got man beaters built into the play. So at the end of the day, they can bring any pressure, and I've got it fitted from C to C. They can get any front unfitted from C to C. And then I've got a zone and a man beater concept in the RPO or the quick game side of the, the pass. And that's that provides a lot of the answers because that's the first thing guys want to know is okay what do you do against man because it seems to be that you know the the first answer for an RPO team is the defense jumps into some kind of man coverage. Absolutely, you're seeing a lot of man. You're seeing a lot of combo. So what we've tried to do, to be honest with you, Keith, is I install quick game, but we don't call quick game anymore. What we've tried to do is is on all of our run RPO concepts, one side of the field receiver-wise is our quick game. The other side is the true RPO. So anytime I look up and I see they're giving me a quick game throw, you've got the freedom to stand up and throw it. Outside of that, i got a post-snap RPO side, and I'm going to ride it, and I'm going to read that D-gap player. And then what we've done is we've built in a man answer. So I've got a quick game. I've got a uh, post-snap RPO, but then you also got to know what your your man beater in that concept is as well. So we've we've tried to build in an answer for every concept. 
Coach, we know that uh, as you get into some of those longer distance downs, RPOs might not be as effective. What are you doing? You know, you said you want to be 50% on third down. So what are you doing to win third down? On third and long, we've still got our same concepts that most people have. We're, we're running four verts. We're running uh, a three-by-one verts with a with an underneath crosser. We're running the middle flood concept. So we're still doing drop back on third and long. We've got about three or four really good screens that we like that we get to. We're running the, the swing screen by the back with the tunnel underneath on, on the backside. Um, we've got a, a good power screen that we run to a single receiver side to try to pull that, that wheel linebacker over the top so we can get the screen backside for him. So we're still – nothing's changed for us on third and long. We're still the same team as everybody else in the country on third and long. But what we try to do is we want to win third and medium and third and short. If we can be really good on third and medium and third and short, we feel like that's what's going to get us to that, that 50%. Um, you know, everybody in the country is going to be about the same on third and long unless they've got a really good quarterback. you got a really good third and long quarterback, then your numbers are going to be better than everybody else. So we're going to really stress that third and medium range to our guys. Third and medium, third and short, are those still RPO downs for you? They will still be RPO downs for us. Now, We'll we'll get out of on third and one. We'll still get in twenty one personnel. Bring a, a speed sweep guy and just hand off power. Um, so we still have the option to do that on third and one, third and two to pound that thing in there. But we can also mix in RPO where we feel safe with the with the run concept, um, with power, with an inside zone on third and two to to go get us that yardage. Coach, from a, a practice perspective, uh, obviously RPOs are uh, a form of option football. How do you get those guys to make the decisions and to, tr- to trigger those quickly? What kind of things are you going to do within your drills to build that skill? I'll tell you what we do right off the bat is we've changed that pace period that we talked about earlier, that high pace tempo period. I just call RPOs there now. And I usually just call the same RPO for four straight plays. And I tell my quarterbacks in my in my meetings, hey, listen, I want you to distribute the ball. Don't really go through your full read because that full read may be to the same guy all four of those plays. So let's go and let's distribute that ball. Let's keep the ball safe, though, and not turn the ball over. And that kind of keeps our receivers involved big time in that pace period by us distributing the ball real well. So that helps out with the reads there. Next thing that we do is I'm going to put my guys in in worst-case scenario situation. We do a perimeter run period in our practice where I'm going to hand off the the sweeps and our defense can work on them fitting outside runs. I'm going to mix in a, a an RPO concept about once every four plays to that. And so our defensive backs know that as soon as that QB steps up, they're getting to fit the, 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 the pass concept. So if I can complete the pass concept with them dropping to it, then I know I can complete it with them sucking down into the read key. Um, another way that we do it is all of our RVA concepts. We try to do our RVAs every day with an RPO mixed into those as well. So it's not just throwing slant. It's not just throwing the, the post routes. We're going to do the timing of it right there as well. 
Um, as far as the read side of it, um, I'll try to be the reads and drills. We do a lot of quick reaction stuff with our feet during quarterback drill stuff. So I can always have my base set to throw. Um, and that's really helped us, especially this spring, with doing the quick reaction stuff of getting the RPOs out. Coach, let's change the pace a little bit and put the focus back on you. Uh, and even though you grew up in a football family, you know, we are not uh, free from making those mistakes as young coaches. So what's a mistake you made as a young coach, and what did you learn from it? I'll tell you what. My, my first year, I got a head job at 26 years old, and I wasn't nowhere near being ready. You think when you're 26, you think you're ready to conquer the world. I took a job over in, in inner city Mobile. Uh, they, they were 2-8. and eight one and nine the two years before I got there. Um, so I take this job over. First thing I'd say that was a mistake, I shouldn't have took the job. And I had one of my, my, my guys that I leaned on in coaching tell me that. But being 26, like I said, you think you can conquer the world. Um, and then that first year, we, we went with a lot of young guys to prepare for the next few years. And I'm playing a, a, a true freshman at quarterback at the varsity level. And just doing a lot of read zone, running the veer, running the midline, doing those things that's easier for an athlete. And we're down four points in a game uh, under a minute, driving down to go down to score. And we get a a pass play. It's about third and seven. We complete the pass. I think we get the first down. The chain crew moves the chains, and I never look at the ref to make sure he signals it. All right, so I think it's a first down. I want to buy us a little extra time because we just got in the red zone. Don't have a timeout, so I tell the kid to spike it. Well, ends up, he goes to spike. The ref sets the ball down his fourth and one, and we spike it right there, turn the ball over, and we end the game that way. And that's something that, that mm. I learned from as a coach of where my eyes need to be. Um, but I also learned that day never – I took all responsibility, all blame, because uh, I didn't want those young guys to ever think that that freshman quarterback was anywhere at fault. So I took the blame for everything, um, took the blame for for all my coaches, took all blame, put it on me, but put myself in a situation that I learned a lot from that day, uh, both mentally and, and and on the field as well. Yeah, those are some tough situations to learn from, but I, I commend you in taking the responsibility and that that was definitely a, a mature thing to do as a young coach. Coach, what's the best advice you've received in your career to this point? The best advice I received was from Tim Horton, the uh, running back coach now at Auburn. Yep. Um, just just told me no matter what in this business with the X and O's, he said, the thing that people are going to remember you by is how you treat people. And the thing I loved about Tim Horton is every morning, Tim would write 10 to 15 letters to former players, to high school coaches, to former coaches of his, and just and tell people how much he appreciated them in his life. He texts people all the time about how much he appreciated them. And, and people just love him. And, and that's the biggest takeaway that I've ever taken from this business is at the end of the day, especially me, uh, I grew up in a very religious 
household down in the south. My dad was a deacon in our church, and and he, my dad would even tell me, the Lord ain't going to judge you based off wins and losses. He's going to judge you off of how you treated your players, how you treat other people, and how you raise your family. So those are the two things that kind of go with each other with what Tim Horton told me and what my dad told me of treating people the right way. Coach, this is a demanding career, obviously, and uh, you have to learn to balance all the things you need to do, especially at the college level. So how do you create balance uh, with this profession and, and uh, you know, your, the personal side, your health, your family, et cetera? be honest, I have to keep an amazing schedule. Um, my wife, I, we have to schedule about three, four months in advance. So just to keep me on track i have a phenomenal wife that, that, that helps me out with all that stuff uh but ever since i've been in arkansas tech my, my son's playing soccer now he's five years old he's playing youth youth soccer i don't miss a youth soccer practice or game um i'm, I'm gonna make sure i'm there unless we're on the road on a saturday playing a road game i'm gonna be at my son's soccer practices i'm gonna be at my daughter's dance stuff um i'm, I'm gonna do everything i can to be a great dad if I have to work till I have to go home, but then come back to the office, my kids are going to see me. Because, like I said, my the good Lord's going to judge me based off how I raise my family first. So I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to be a great dad. But then also my my players know that I'm going to be there for them. I, I try to have my quarterbacks um, up here early in the morning. I'm up here late at night. Um, I'll go home and come back up here. So sometimes it, it, it wears you out as a coach, but I can't let my players or my kids uh, feel like they've ever been neglected by me. Coach, we're going to jump into our two-minute drill, so just some quick question and answer here to, to finish things up. Okay. Schematically, what's the toughest defense to face? Uh, probably a, um, an odd front that you never know where the blitz or, or, or the roll or the spin is going to go from, to be honest with you. What's your favorite goal line play? Favorite goal line play is the Wes Welker kind of skippy route where you give him the option to turn in, turn out, or stay vertical myself by your slot receiver. Turf or grass? Uh, I'm a turf guy, former quarterback. I like perfect conditions. <laughs> What's your favorite backfield set? Favorite backfield, I, I like the H-back. Uh, having an H-back that can go anywhere with a tailback and pistol. That way the defense can't figure out which way the tailback's going to end up going. Day game or night game? I like playing at night. Something about that my adrenaline pumps a little bit more at night. If you had to run your offense from one formation, what would it be? It would be 20 personnel, what we call twins. Two receivers of the field, one into the boundary with, with that H-back and tailback in the backfield. What's your favorite quote? Uh, I learned this from my, my third grade teacher. It's better to be silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. That's saved <laughs> me for life. That's a good one. Should the kickoff be eliminated? I don't think so. There's been too many big-time plays throughout the years, throughout history. Uh, this kind of set a tone of a ball game, set a tone after halftime. Uh, I, just, I like it a lot. If you could pick one football coach from the past to learn from, who would it be? One, man, that, that's tough. One to learn from. I guess being an Alabama guy, you, you have to go Bear Bryant. How about one from the present? 
one from the present. Um, I think a lot of the culture things that Urban Meyer's doing and establishing at Ohio State um, be a guy that I'd want to, to learn from. Nice job on a two-minute drill there, Coach. Uh, something you're good at, right? You're used to going fast like that. I, I hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. Here's the final question for you, Coach. What's the one thing you'd point to as giving your team the winning edge? I think by the way that we run – uh, meetings by the way that we run practice. We try to set an edge. We try to set a competitiveness in everything that we do. So trying to do things on a daily basis that, that create that edge that you want your guys to have. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time with us. Uh, best wishes, good luck for continued success at Arkansas Tech. Yes, sir. Thank you uh, for having me on today. I really enjoyed it. Stay tuned for new episodes coming soon. We're going to be addressing those of you who play and providing you some in-season thoughts and insight into things that can help you. And for those of you guys who are preparing to start later in the year or even in the spring, we're going to have some programming for you as well. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski. We're doing some great things over there, including our daily Your Call, where we give you a scenario from a real situation in the game, and we reveal that play the next day. been a lot of interaction there. It's fun. Uh, please get involved if you have any suggestions, any questions for any of our guests or past guests, be sure to DM me on Twitter, at Coach K Grabowski. Thanks for listening, and head over to iTunes. Hit rate and review for us. If you would, please, it helps the podcast.